0: I, I don't know why, but this has really gotten me going. <laughs> I know it's hard David uh, I'm just gonna kill myself. But no, I mean the amount of treachery here is extraordinary. Yeah again, Jesse Jackson Jess is going to face something. I mean, I know people who were licenses in his presidential campaigns who go exclusive. We're we'll to the United States.
1: Yeah, I'm here. I was gonna ask you, like I just uh, I talked to Dick Gregory this morning, and he got me into something I didn't know was out there last week. uh, Some news agencies came out with the information that Jesse Jackson was CIA. He was involved as a CIA operative, and that the King assassination is online right now. Some of this information is also named Billy Cows as a part of operation. And I know you said in the past that Jesse was not involved directly in the King assassination, but you know the, the Congressional Black Caucus thing coming up, and with the National African American Museum about to open on September twenty fourth, why why is all this information coming out now? I mean, it's been floating well, around for years. See, let me put it to you this way: mm-hmm. if most of the black people that were involved in setting him up were local.
0: All right. It's, there wasn't anything actually. I,
1: I'll just this is off the record before we go on the record about Okay. See, in order to make this work, you had to have the following: a some ability to get him from where it was supposed to be, which was the Holiday Inn Rivermont. That was mm-hmm. Holiday Inn's flagship hotel. Holiday Inn was headquartered in Memphis. It had not been integrated. What do civil rights leaders do? They integrate, right? Mm hmm. So. They wanted to get him out of the Lorraine Motel. Not out of the Lorraine Motel. They wanted to get him out of the Holiday Inn, Rivermont. Now, they wound up getting him in the Lorraine Motel because the Lorraine Motel is right across the street from the fire station. Uh That's where the shot came from. Not that stupid flop house and not from the bushes. That's just B.S.
0: Mm -hmm. Memphis
1: Police Department, by the way, concluded in their written report that Ray was not the gunman and the shot did not come from the flout house. That's that miserable DA's office that did that.
0: Mm -hmm. And the DA's
1: office had too many people in it then and still the second generation afterwards now who were hooked up with people that really wanted to get rid of King and were cooperating with Hooper. Okay? Now, Jesse did not have the local contacts or even the, you know, savvy to say, okay, we want to put him at the Lorraine Motel. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you had some local folk who could do that and had the connections to make that happen. All right, next plan is you want to get him open to a shot. So how do you get him in a position where you can take the shot with no unfriendly witnesses? So does Jesse have anywhere he can cook up to get King to go to to provide the shot? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know in the article it was saying that Dr. King, like you said, you know, he normally was at the Holiday Inn. Then he was shamed into actually staying at the Lorraine. But they said that Jesse Jackson at the, at, the, at the Lorraine he was at the bottom floor, of room 206. That Jesse changed the room from 206 to 306. That Jesse, his point people, he actually, like you said, Jesse didn't have that type of power to do certain things on the ground from a logistic point of view. But he was in contact, allegedly, according to the article, with the Dixie Mafia. Russell Atkins, who was the leader of the Dixie Mafia, he was the one that was responsible for the local logistics, so to speak. And Dixie no, had a point person between him. Yeah, the Dixie Mafia, they see, the Mafia has been in Memphis. Mm-hmm. What they did is provided the financing to build these malls, and they also run money laundering operations. Right now, principally down on Beale Street. Oh, so he's still around. The mob is still the mob. It's still a mob. Oh, yeah. But if you're yeah. talking about the real mob, I'm talking about the Sicilian Italiano thing, not any mm-hmm. lightweight bullshit. Right, but right. other thing you have to hook up with is C.J. Edgar Hoover had some working arrangement with the mob, they let him gamble for free. Mm-hmm. In other words, if he lost, he didn't have to pay. If he won, he kept his winnings. He was a gambling junkie. Other mm-hmm. thing is, there's another little untold story. Hoover hated the Klan. You know why he hated the Klan? Because you were black, or because what? Well, yeah, because <laughs> they kept burning—literally, they burned crosses on his parents' yard accusing him of passing for white. Mm. By the way, that's on the History Channel and the Smithsonian Channel. It was a couple of weeks ago. It may still be running. J. Edgar Hooper's hookup with the uh, mafia. So Mm -hmm. that thing, for example, when they got those four civil rights workers that disappeared and whose bodies were found buried in the levee, that's what They, they yeah. found that is Hoover personally hooked up something with the mafia. They sent one of their enforcers down.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's
1: supposed to have happened is the guy goes into this hardware appliance store run by the Klan Dragon. He buys the television, wants the guy to take it to his car. So when the guy takes it to the car... uh. Who does his thing, kidnaps the guy, takes him to a shack that he's already got set up, ties the guy up, tortures him for a couple of days, and gets a four page handwritten confession with all the details because the FBI couldn't get any leads. So that's. Part of this little hookup that Hoover had with the mob, you know, he claimed they didn't exist, which is a damn lie, because they were letting him gamble, Mm. And they had pictures of him and his boyfriend, Colson. So the mob didn't have to worry about the FBI. The FBI just focused on petty gangsters like Pretty Boy Floyd, Machine Gun Kelly, and that kind of shit.
0: Right, exactly. Made
1: news Mm media, but you know the whole thing about uh, Elliot Ness and Melvin Purvis, who they call G-Man, and all this shit. See, they were recruited from outside the FBI, and they were made special agents, not FBI agents. Mm -hmm. An FBI agent until. 25 years ago, 30 years ago, was supposed to be either a certified public accountant or an attorney who specialized in taxation, it's because the FBI got given the job right after World War One to uh, keep tabs on the legal production of alcohol after they had been taxed with enforcement of the Mann Act or gathering information. That's when mm-hmm. they got Jack Johnson on. Took his exactly. wife you know, state line on a train, and Georgia didn't acknowledge white black marriages, so they said it was for immoral purposes. So that's what they put the man in the penitentiary for for traveling by train with his own wife, who happened to be white. Mm. Okay. Now they couldn't carry guns until Hoover got to blackmailing them because dealing with these hoes under the Mann Act, he wound Mm -hmm. up finding out which New York politicians, federal, local, and state level, uh, were doing what and who had DD, which was apparently pretty widespread amongst the elected officials. So Mm -hmm. blackmailed them to let the FBI carry stuff, and they built up this propaganda image which basically was Mm unmerited, And they did a lot of surveillance on anti-communist stuff. That was Hoover's thing. And he particularly hated the Klan because of the treatment his family received at their hands. Right. Now... The Smithsonian Channel features a couple of them they had on Hoover and the Mob. Hoover and the Klan, they noted, showed some early pictures of him, and he kind of looked like a young addition of Russell Sugar. All right? Right, right. They said this old white-looking man with uh, jowls and liver spots, this isn't what it's all about. So he... Is like Clarence Thomas and those black folks that hate black. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Self-hating Negroes. Yeah. But now, Hoover always put this thing out that he considered that the black church was fronting off for the communists to foment uh, insurrection with, you know, these low-class Negroes. Mm-hmm. That's the way he looked at it. So, when you get Jesse Jackson, Jesse Jackson may have provided information to them, maybe. But I think this thing that they're coming up with is trying to discredit him because what's going on right now is you've got all of these people that had sexual perversion. That were known to Hoover, because he had a fascination for those things, and he would do audio and visual surveillance. So he would bug people's places, and it's just the South, you know, all these folk ain't hit for all the how you can bug, wiretap, you know, uh, plant here listening devices in somebody's house. So he had pretty much all the goods on all of these guys. Like Maxine and Vasco Smith, they had their problems and they were revealed to be FBI informants. You had the first two or three NAACP presidents who were Jewish, uh were not informants, they were actual FBI agents. You know, so you got agents running the NAACP on the executive level, so where are you going with this? What they needed when they got to Memphis was somebody that would actually set him up to take him out. Now, on my research, what they were interested in King for was no longer the civil rights thing. That wasn't something that bothered. What was fucking with them then was the idea that king could be used to revitalize the labor movement, which they didn't want. They wanted to get rid of unions. That was a conservative thing. And they were very worked up about him galvanizing the anti-war thing. See, in other words, he had done what he had Done for civil rights, they didn't want him doing that anti war.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you had that Tet Offensive in February that year, or not quite February, in January 1968, where, you know, Ho Chi Minh's boys, General Jiao, they don't want to control the land that they are blasting around. They just want the American public to understand they're being lied to about the success of the Vietnam mission. Oh. So, when you get King sticking his nose in the anti war bit, that gets some people worked up. So, the question becomes is Jesse Jackson anybody that can give them anything they already? They don't already know. Now here is the other part. We're not on the record yet, are we? No, no. I, I want to know when you want to go on the record. Here's the yeah. The other part. is mm-hmm. one more way. Oh wow. Okay. And Billy Kyle's problem was he was a pedophile. He kind of had that vibe about him. <laughs> yeah, he liked young girls. Mm. And Maxine's problem was she liked to eat pussy. <laughs> yes, sir. Young girl pussy. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah man. Oh, oh, shit. She liked to play around with young girls, too, and they had these pool parties over at the house, you know, with that totally enclosed pool. Okay. And I talked to more than one 55, 60-year-old woman who was 15 years old or so and recalls walking around naked at those boo parties and learning how to give good hand jobs.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: So, I mean, that sickness was going on and these folks can't keep it in their pants. Ben Hooks, they had him totally in their hand because he was as gay as a three-penny coin. Wow. Now... That's the deal, but you see Jesse like pussy, a lot of pussy. Mm. And in those days, if you want to get somebody for pussy, you had to deal with Robert Kennedy, you had to deal with LBJ, the President of the United States, Richard Milhouse Nixon, you know, the Secret mm-hmm. Service used to pick up holes for him on 14th and U. Mm. And LBJ I met the people, so I know it happened. He had two kids while he was president. One by the White House secretary, uh, and that one looks just like him, but a little suntanned, very slightly suntanned. And yeah. the other one, she had, he had with a woman named Marie Brown, who I've met on more than one occasion and had long conversations with. This is LBJ, right? Yeah.
0: Well wow. so if you
1: talked about somebody getting pussy then you got a big problem. Uh if you go after Jesse, you know, that's gonna be frowned on by the powers that be because you might try to go after them. Now Hooper had something on JFK because JFK also likes to deal with boys. Really? Wow. wow. Now Yo, I think of J F K being a ladies man, really. <laughs> yeah, so in fact if you ever see this movie, Jay Edgar, that uh, Clint Eastwood directed, there's a specific reference in there where he comes right out and says he's talking to Robert Kennedy, then the attorney general, he says, uh, I just have to bring this to your attention. We had a, a home in Los Angeles under surveillance for organized crime, and we were shocked to discover on our tapes that your brother was there and on three separate occasions he had sex with another man. Hmm. That was in the movie Jay Edgar? Yeah, that's in the movie J Edgar. Wow. Now, Eastwood doesn't spare him any slack and cuts him up and shows him that he's a sicko. He really downs his ass. Back so bad maybe a slight credibility issue in there. But Jesse was straight. Jesse, you don't think of Jesse Jackson as you think of him now. He was a young man then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He didn't have his stature then that he has now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. And and the context of the Memphis area, there was not much he could do. So where this locus of somebody getting him fucked up comes in is Ben Hooks, Billy Kyle, and there's one guy that I used to represent when I was a public defender who was the driver. He made a lifetime career of being a snitch for the police department because he was a petty criminal and there's Ooh. one guy that winds up being uh, one of the first few blacks to become an officer with the CIA morell McCullough yeah I one. called him on the phone I actually got him on the phone last year yeah you told me that yeah we talked about it. But keep those things in mind. And what I think may be going on is another effort to discredit a credible black man. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now he's I, about Solomon Jones, right? That was the driver, right? Solomon Jones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He is he still alive? Nah, I, I think he's dead. He's probably dead. Uh, okay. Or he'd be ninety some years old. Wow. Um now. I put this to Jesse Jackson when I was sitting next to him on an airplane one time. And his summary was, we need to get to the bottom of it. Okay? I talked to Reverend um, Lomax. Mm -hmm. And he said, we need to get to the bottom of it. I talked to Ben Hooks. His, his response, interestingly, was exactly the same as uh, Billy Kyle's, and was, We need to let sleeping dogs lie.
0: Hmm.
1: And that was the same thing with Billy Kyle's quote, We need to let sleeping dogs lie. So, what my thought is, is that they've been trying to destroy every single black man they can destroy and demonize them who's straight. Mm -hmm. In Hollywood, they've been systematically getting rid of all straight black men, me included, who do not read
0: scripts. Mm -hmm. By the way, uh, it's interesting. Last night, I was on... With Shay
1: Renee, and this guy called in and he question questioned. Wait, boy. He said, You had a question for me, and then he wanted to tell me how he met me. Mm-hmm. So he sounded a little strange to me, but the question was: Is When are they going to, when is Jesse, i not saying, when is Bill Cosby going to do some time for mistreating all these women?
0: Mm-hmm. I just said, you
1: know, it was a groupy thing with sex and drugs, and, you know, 35 years ago they got what they wanted and kept coming back for it. Now it's a chance to get a little fame, and you got a lawyer that's trying to egg them off. So you know what this motherfucker does? Well, I'm going to tell you where I met you. I met you in Englewood, and I'm trying to say, why would a white boy meet me in Englewood? That's like, you know, you met the mayor down in South Memphis. You know, right? right yeah, I will just figure that. Right next to the fucking projects, you know, like right, uh, right. Uh, but he doesn't get it, and I noted that he had a Florida number. That he was calling in on. So the next yeah. thing he says, "Yeah, well, you know, you're talking about white people, but you know, white women here. Uh, well, you had a white wife. I met your white wife, different. Now, my wife was not white." She grew up in Richmond, and she was a glorified hood rat, if any damn thing. But, you know, I'm listening to this guy, so he said, yeah, I met you at this function where all of these important people were, and, you know, we went into the warm uh, bathrooms and did some coke, yeah, shot up a little bit, and I'm on this motherfucker's crazy, but there's a delay, you know, so we've got that, Then this motherfucker says, yeah, I did a line of coke and sucked it off your dick, you know. I'm going on. No,
0: dick. whoa. Fucker
1: was going on that gay thing? <laughs> so right. you can't, you can't attack a straight black man. So what you do, you try to act like he's gay too.
0: Mm-hmm. You know.
1: So I said, oh man. So I just said, I nice five, but, you know, it ain't gonna work. That's yes, sir. But you see. That's the big effort, and I have been subject to some blackball attempts out in L.A., but we went around that to get something set back up because they need material, and I could bring it in. So these motherfuckers agree. By the way, if you want to see a good representation of how they behave, there's a movie that doesn't even deal with them, but one of the characters is very much like what the typical executive in music Television, motion picture, and other entertainments on the West Coast is like see this movie is still at Paradiso, War Dogs. Okay. And check this fat one out. And he's crooked, he's a con man, he lies, and he is dishonest and he's so fucking greedy he fucks himself up. But that's mm. typically of what you have to deal with in that industry. This callous. Totally disregard any morality, any ethics. Okay.
0: Mhm. And you see what they're
1: doing is they're trying to destroy alternatives to Hillary. Now Hillary is on good word, on vile rumor, on solid rumor, on long-standing stuff, or less all right. mm-hmm. he's part of that LGBT thing these son of a bitches have got control of the hierarchy of the Republican and Democratic party Rubio was a known homosexual in college so mm. was Cruz and they're still talking shit about how they can get Cruz back in and uh, for the next go around and you know mm. when but you see, you still have this stuff going on, and that also has got a great deal to do with what happens in Memphis politics. We talked about that. So Jesse Jackson is a straight black man that's in the way. They got rid of his son for doing some venal bullshit. You know, although his popularity has diminished amongst his would be constituents. Yeah, no, we do it. But I, I, also, I want to ask you on the record. Now I want to go to a couple other things I want to ask you uh, while I have you on the phone. But I definitely want to ask Scott. I'm glad you brought that up by Jesse and all that stuff because I want to read uh, the quote I got from the article that I actually found today and get your response to that along with the Jesse, the official, your official response to Jesse Jackson on the record. Um, the article is from this uh, thing called Before It's News, this website. And it came out I guess last week, and it said um, this guy's a Canadian researcher named Demogard. He got a lot of he got some stuff online. Did a lot of research into this. Cause he was a, he was there covering the uh, House Select Committee on Assassinations mm. uh, back in '78. He was a watchdog for that, and also he's very you know well respected in his field. But he said uh, according to Demogard, this article, the shots that hit Dr. King were fired by Memphis police officer. Uh, Frank Strausser, accompanied by spotter Earl Clark, another Memphis police officer with U.S. Army sharpshooters or other backup shooters, hidden in the cafeteria of Fire Station Number 2. He got nearby... from me. He's a bullshit artist. Well, I'm going to read all cards to get your response to all of it. A nearby water tower and another high building. Following the shooting at the Lorraine Motel, Dr. King was taken to St. Joseph's Hospital where, well, according to Ole Demogard, an assassin-cabal-connected physician by the name of Dr. Breen Bland entered with two men in suits ordered nurses, stop working on that nigger and let him die. The physician then spat on the victim, took a pillow, and placed it on Dr. King's face, smothering him to ensure that he was dead. Bullshit. They pronounced him dead at 7 on 5 p.m. Okay, he said it's all bullshit. Okay. They didn't need to do that. He was already dead before they got in there. Okay. He got his carotid artery cut by the bullet. hmm You're not going to live very long with that. You don't have to smother anybody. Um, that stuff he's talking about, about fire station cafeteria, all that's from me. I've been speaking about that since 1995 or so, okay? 96, later on, and in the last 10 years, that I've got around. That shot came from the fire station cafeteria. I don't know what the names of the shooters are, and I seriously doubt that it was given out by the name Memphis Police Office. I do know that in the, the, the invoice distribution of five of the 63 XM-21 rifles they made went to the FBI, and there was a big stink for the Army and Navy about why does the FBI need them. They did an inventory in April, and the FBI only had four of these remaining. That's what they shot him with. The ballistic characteristics are consistent with one of those weapons. And it did cover the fire station cafeteria. That was my 411 put into the mix. So he didn't originate that. The House Assassinations Committee was not really a valid exercise because they relied upon the FBI for all of their information, their analysis and conclusions, and the FBI was one of the prime actors in the whole mess. So, of course, they didn't tell on themselves. And I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Judge. Go ahead. Right. Well, so that, I would say also that uh, you said by FBI that the person who was patrolling the Memphis police and fire departments used to be who Hoover's number three man, Frank Holloman, right? Yeah. Uh, the director of police was formerly one of his top men. That was Claude Armour. He had also been fire commissioner. And then the new fire commissioner at the time had also been one of
0: Hoover's
1: top dogs. Now, interesting thing enough about that, you've heard of Elliot Ness, uh, M- uh, Melvin Purvis, they called him G-Man, the government man, and some of all of these guys. In 1946 and 47, after World War II, interestingly enough, all of these badasses that were made special agents because they could really do killing, seemed to have committed suicide within a nine-month period. Mm -hmm. which I find highly suspect. I think they just found out what their boss was really about, and they were old-time badasses, and uh, they were gotten rid of. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's come to light now that, for example, Marilyn Monroe didn't exactly OD. um, After all this time, uh, and what it looks like is she had barbiturates which inserted in her anus,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: caused her to OD from the absorption into the gut from the reverse feeding. And I think they killed her because she fucked too many people. She was fucking Robert Kennedy. And she had fought John F. Kennedy. And as a matter of fact, on the JFK thing, the word was that she didn't just sing happy birthday to him to that party they had for him in the White House basement. She pulled his pants down. She danced did a strip with Starred Naked, and she gave him a head job and swallowed right there in front of the Washington press corps. But that was a different day. That was a man-man thing, you know, so they weren't about to print it. Mm-hmm. But she been too open and notorious about it, and she was fucking people outside the political group. Uh, they probably felt she was a threat to tell what she may have heard uh, somebody tell her and in indiscretion. I mean, like, the uh, the coroner, Thomas Noguchi, said as much like about the uh, there that, that wasn't a suicide. You know, he did uh, Robert Kennedy's and uh, I think Sharon Tate's autopsy. But Thomas Noguchi said it. The same yeah. thing you said yeah. about the barbiturates or what, they put putting stuff in her anus. Like yeah. she was actually murdered, that she wasn't not, she, was yeah, she was a suicide. They got rid yeah. of her. This, like I said, they were Robert Kennedy. Though the shot came from behind and killed them, they didn't come from front where Sir yeah, Clare Hanson was from. Yeah. They, and while we know all this information, he's still in jail. Yeah. Well, see, here, here's what goes on. Mm-hmm. And legally, what happens is you recruit, recruit scapegoats. Mm. Hmm. Now, if they become part of the plan, even if they aren't the gunmen, they technically are guilty as co actors.
0: Oh.
1: Accessories, you see. Reddy wasn't the gunman, but he was there, but there were also approximately three or four other alternative scapegoats, not shooters. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, but that's just a clarification. I can't give you the names of the two people that were involved. One is the shooter and one is the spotter. And by the way, there is no feasible firing point that would involve a water tower around there. That's simply too far away to take a reliable shot. What about the accusations of Jesse Jackson involving being a CIA operative or a government agent? I seriously doubt it. And also, they brought up Billy Cowes in the article, the same article I quoted from, they brought up Billy Cowes as we being know. a police CIA operative. That's another thing. He had skeletons. Okay. What I think Kyle is dead now, so Ben Hooks is dead now. Jesse Jackson may have some future
0: influence on what's going on.
1: And if you've noticed on the national scene, what black leadership do we have? Mm-hmm. None. It certainly isn't Barack Obama.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You have Al Sharpton is the go-to person for mainstream media now. But have you ever figured out why they would want to go to Al Sharpton, who has a long track history of jumping on BS situations? Uh, that are more mythology than reality, well, he gets his start, you know he was James Brown's lover, wow, you say he was James right. Brown's lover, yeah, James you know you say he was James Brown was his mentor, you know the original meaning of mentor yeah, was, right? know you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, he took in the to soul training introduced it to John Cornelius and said, let him speak, so if I want to perform, so Cornelius, let him speak, and whatever it was, some gospel appeal, but, you know, we've got too many black preachers that have too many, shall yeah, we say, brain sex habits. Mm-hmm. is what it is, but, you know, I, I, I'm looking at this thing as there is a move afoot to discredit all credible black leadership. We don't have any now that have come up through the ranks, so to speak, and have the credibility of having been involved in marches, protests, you know, taking cases You know, jumped into the fray, provided leadership on the ground, put their ass on the line. We don't have that. So we have these nice guys, pretty boys that CNN likes to trot out, who, if you know anything, strike you as individuals who know nothing. You see? Where is our leadership? And half our leadership is either in the strange sexual practices or they have stolen something or they're on the take or they're getting blackmailed about some indiscretion they've been up to. And typically around the country they use juvenile courts to keep leverage on would-be black leaders, and sometimes white ones because they've got outside children. Mm-hmm. Wow. And this juvenile court around here is notorious and flagrant in their use of extortion to control political and appointed officials. Hmm. <laughs> just as well, I want to switch it up a little bit because there's so much stuff that's been happening in this news cycle. Uh, I mean, your take on uh, Colin Kaepernick not setting up for the national anthem, what are your thoughts about that and the response from, I guess, his fellow athletes or non-response, uh, the pros and cons of people looking at the situation? What is your take on it? First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, it's his right, why not? That's he good. wants to protest it. it's the point. You're out there providing the services to keep the peasantry in line. And if he doesn't like the fact that you want to go sacrifice yourself for the good of the country, you come back home and you or your children or your relatives or acquaintances uh, wind up uh, or family members wind up getting slaughtered on the street. How did he put it? The people that killed them get paid leave. Mm -hmm. And back in the 60s, nobody stood up for the National Anthem. You remember the poster they used to have at the Olympics? One brother's standing there with a fist with a glove on his hand. Right. The other fist, Yeah. So, yeah, I recruited one of those brothers to law school. Oh, wow. A friend of mine. You know, he's dead now. He died a few years ago. He was sick.
0: And mm-hmm.
1: I know his girlfriend, his wife of all those years. She's a, a judge out in LA. He was a lawyer, and his wife used to be best friends with a fiance I had 45 years ago. Okay. So we did those kind of protests. Now he added something to the mix. The last time he got down on one knee which was an interesting twist, and he said that was out of respect to the people who served the country and put their behinds on the line, you know, in a hot-fire zone. I had respect for them. It's just what this country has not done to ensure that all of its people are protected. Like, black lives matter. But the rest of the phrase should be black lives matter as much as any, because in America... Life matters, but some lives seem to be worth more than others. See where we're going with that? So the black lives matter is black lives should make as much difference as anybody
0: else. Mm-hmm.
1: So I can understand this protest, that First Amendment, that freedom of speech. I think the country, in spite of all of the cussing, and all and vileness you hear through the media has gotten entirely too sensitive. If somebody is offended, they're supposed to be apologized to, even if the truth was told. If somebody doesn't particularly like that, too bad, they need to get over it. The man's got the First Amendment right to protest. You know, I also want to bring this up, too, because people like we, a lot of times, like you know, the fact that he brought attention the uh, missing lyrics from the uh, Star Spangled Banner. You know, the fact that a lot of us didn't know about that. You think about all the great black singers like Whitney Houston or Marvin Gaye, who had sang that national anthem, not knowing about the missing lyrics. Wait a minute. Did you, you were too young. They raised all kinds of hell when Marvin Gaye sang the Star Spangled Banner and he put some variations in there, which is the first time I've ever heard it sung like I like it. Right. Because nobody can sing that song. The the, the lyrics were key. Uh, Scott Key came up with them. Uh, I think it was November 14, uh, 1814. He was watching one American fort be bombarded all night long, and they put it to the... that they would sing when they were in a tavern or a pub getting drunk.
0: Mm-hmm. As a
1: matter of fact, it didn't become the national anthem until 1931. Mm-hmm. The Pledge of Allegiance did not have the reference to God put into it until 1952. Interesting. So a whole lot of this stuff ain't ancient to the country is relatively new, 20 you know, 20th century stuff. Mm. Wow, but you know know about the missing lyrics, though. I mean, Francis Scott Key was a slave owner. Well, he was a lawyer. He was there to negotiate the release of uh, the American that the British had
0: seized. And he Mm -hmm. was standing on board a British warship. Mm. So they let him go the next morning.
1: But he was invited on board to try and negotiate a release, a release of a client of his. But see, I have nothing against the Star Spangled Banner. It's just nobody except an opera singer can sing the damn thing. Well, I It's like I want to talk about this third stanza that people are raising the 50, because we know about what Colin Kaepernick did. He brought people there. Who, who, who they want to learn more about Francis Scott Key and about the Star Spangled Banner. But it was, a, a, it was a, a stanza that is not normally sung with the national anthem as we know it today. They only to sing the first one. Huh? They only sing the first one. It was printed as a long poem collection, a poem, in some of the local newspapers, and it spread like wildfire amongst the, the new states. And then they, some time later, they put it to music and called it Star Spangled Back. Right. Uh, and it was a long one. He started on it on the boat and then finished it up when he got back. It took him some weeks to do it. But it was, yeah, it was, there are some standards in there that might be objectionable. Yeah, there was like one lyric or one line I'm going to read. It said, uh, no refuge could save the howling and slaves from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And said that hireling and slave refers to black slaves hired to fight on the side of the British during the war, 1812. Yeah, that too. The British uh, offered to get them free. Matter of fact, they had some blacks fighting for the uh, U.S. too. But they didn't get treated right. See, you have to remember this. England freed its slaves in 1741 or somewhere thereabouts. hmm And they didn't deport them, so those slaves bred into the English population. So about the time that we are talking about this, there are a whole lot of octroons, mulattoes, quadrons running around in England because the former slaves that were free 70 years before that had interbred with the English population. Mm-hmm. The English Navy was hunting down slave ships off of the coast of Africa. And mm-hmm. shortly, the Maroons down in Jamaica, mind, they were going to get their free Wow. I thought I would read this too. Kyle. I mean, I, I'm just fascinated by this whole thing. Um, I saw some reading something about Jackie Robinson, where well, he wrote about the stock single better in, in his uh, autobiography. And I'm just going to read this. You know, your fellow UCLA Bruins, all time sports great,
0: he said something to this effect. story about
1: Jackie Robinson is reported by Kareem Abdul Jabbar in his book on the 7th, 61st Armored Regiment.
0: Yeah, you told me about
1: about the, like, we refused to remove some stuff off the bus when he was in the military. He uh, 45, mm-hmm. and he said, somebody's going to die tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is back in, you know, he was in the South doing this, right? Oh, what? He was in the South when he did this. When they were still hanging, it was hanging black folks every day, so every other day. Yeah, but you know where Jackie Robinson went to college, don't you? Yeah, UCLA, your fellow Bruin. Yeah, UCLA.
0: Interestingly
1: enough, the first black folks to play in the major uh, sports all were in the same football backfield at UCLA. Don Bart the Lakers hired him to play basketball. So he Mm -hmm. never played basketball. He ran track and played football. Kenny Washington, who was the UCLA quarterback, got hired by the Rams, who come back to L.A. Mm Mm-hmm and Jackie Robinson, who plays for the Dodgers, been in Brooklyn now in L.A. And interestingly enough, guess what? Magic Johnson owns the Dodgers, and he owns the Rams now, and he has a one-third interest in the Lakers. So they got that a player a that owns the three teams that black folk first started playing for. I thought Willie Strode, right? That's his name, Willie Strode? Willie Strode yeah. came in after... Uh, yeah. Kenny Washington with the Rams, and then two years later they hired uh, Deacon Dan Power and Tank Younger, who were the first brothers to play in the NFL, who came out of Grambling. Uh, mm-hmm. Deacon Dan Dowler wound up being a full professor, tenured professor, at Cal State L.A. I met him. I used to date one of his secretaries. Wow. That was one big brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to read you this part from his autobiography and get your response about it. I mean, we do got to look at Jackie Robinson uh, differently once we know better God information available. But he said something that, uh, there I was, the black grandson of a slave, the son of a black sharecropper, part of a historic occasion, a symbolic hero to my people. The air was sparkling, the sunlight was warm, the band struck up the national anthem. The flag billowed in the wind. It should have been a glorious moment for me as the stirring words of the national anthem poured from the sand. Perhaps it was. But then again, perhaps the anthem could be called the theme song for a drama called The Noble Experiment. Today, as I look back on that opening game of my first World Series, I must tell you that it was Mr. Rickey's drama that I was only a principal actor. As I write this 20 years later, I cannot stand and sing the anthem. I cannot salute the flag. I know that I am a black man in a white world. In 1972, in 1947, at my birth in 1919, I know that I never had it made. That's what he wrote. And He was a yeah. like you said. Yeah, he was... He went through ROTC at UCLA. He was commissioned as an officer in the U.S. Army. They sent him to the 10th Cavalry, that's the Buffalo Soldiers. He volunteered to transfer to the 761st Armored Regiment, which was Mm -hmm. an experimental thing that uh, 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 Mrs. Roosevelt wanted set up. And he became captain, base morale officer, and then when he would not move to the back of the bus, his regular commander, who didn't want anything done to him, took ill, and they brought in a racist from Alabama, and he demanded that Jackie Robinson be court-martialed. He got acquitted. Jackie just said, well, you know, I waived this uh, medical excuse from a bad ankle. I got playing ball. So, bye-bye, I'm out of here. Mm. So, yeah, I can understand that. You, you do what you do and look how they treat you. You know, 761st Regiment is the second highest decorated unit in the U.S. Army District. So, first mm-hmm. was that bunch of Japanese down in Italy. Mm. So, you know... Just look at that, you know, you, and, and by the way, they had one of the highest casualty rates in the war. Wow. So they got cut off of a whole lot of medals. Wound up that Nixon awarded some to them that were, you know, posthumous or had been approved and then disapproved, and uh, Clinton wound up giving out a bunch of them that had initially been ordered but then declined back in the day. Mm. they were the spearhead for Patton's Third Army.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They got no brakes. They got no R&R, no rotation, no nothing. They were in combat longer than any other, continuously in combat longer than any other U.S. armored unit. And in World War II, because of the inferiority of our tanks, the Tank Corps was known as the Suicide Corps. Oh. So that's what he signed up for. And look how they wound up treating him. And by the way, uh he had a bodyguard, a white boy, named Chuck O'Connor. Right, the rifle man. The one that played the rifle. <laughs> that's right. And it started off when some pitcher deliberately tried to beam Jackie Robinson with a baseball hit him and uh, Jaggy Robinson had a bad temper, and, but before he could go out and do something, Connor comes out the dugout and knocks the pitcher out. He got thrown out the game, but for thereafter, you know, that was his play. And when he's talking about what he wrote, he's referring to the general manager, owner of the Dodgers, who was playing that off. He wanted to pick up the black population in Harlem to co-patronize those ball games. He didn't have event discrimination in New York in those days. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to make sure he got people there to stay him. Mm-hmm. And they also hired Don Newcomb, who wasn't but 17, and they hired Roy Campanolo at the same time they did Jackson. Those two went to the minors and then they brought him up, and I talked to Don Newcomb for about two hours face-to-face a wow. years ago. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. He used to talk about what a horrible temper Jackie Robinson had. Mm-hmm. And with Don Newcomb is the only Major League Baseball player to win all three of the awards that uh, can possibly be run by a baseball pitcher. The only man in a major league is But you see, they got some home run hitting, and kicking base-running stalwarts, which, if you recall me telling you some years ago, is not what we got when we got Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. It's not what we got when we got Thurgood Marshall. You see, somebody that paid his damn dues, kicked ass, took names, and went back and kicked some more ass. Mm -hmm. So we don't have any of those on the national scale. we got one internationally, I told you about it, Lewis Hamilton. Mm -hmm. They did a 60-minute interview on him last month. You know what they called him? the best what? race driver of all time. Lewis Hamilton. Yes. And he's How the little. first black man in Grand Prix racing. I'm not talking about any little chicken stock car stuff, or NASCAR. I'm talking about boy driving a $25 million Mercedes-Benz Grand Prix car where the engines that they sell to some other teams go for million for the engine. Wow. And right now, he's three times world champion, and he's in the lead uh, for the fourth world championship. Uh, He's two points ahead of his teammate after having had a week. Last week, they had an equipment change, and now the engines have to last for... Basically, one third of the season, you can't replace an engine, so they had to replace his. So he starts on the back row from the start and winds up third. So, so basically, like, like you, you saying, both of uh, race car driver, sound like. <laughs> yeah, but you see, we don't have any Jackie Robinson, but he's an Englishman. Right. Wow. It was Hamilton. Lewis I'm Hamilton. Looking down. I'm looking at on down. That's impressive. I didn't know about him until you told me about it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then they don't give him any play when he comes running and he drives in the United States Grand Prix, which is probably going to be somewhere in Texas this year.
0: Mm. You know, it's
1: like, why don't the black folks, you know, give this brother some play? He makes a lot more money than LeBron. He's the highest paid athlete in the world. I didn't know that. Wow. He got a lot lot of followers on Twitter. Yeah, I see. He gave, when Ali died, man, he gave a tribute to Ali. He was winning this race, and, you know, when they do Formula One broadcasting, they will let you hear what the drivers are saying over the radio to the pitch. Mm-hmm. And brother said, hey, I feel, you know, how he's here. And it's like this brother kicked ass. That's what I'm doing. Looks like a butterfly, same like a bee. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then the he shuffle when he got out the race car is uh, the whip. But you see. He's got respect. He probably knows more about what's going on with black history being in England than a lot of folk here do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, we got to go. Everybody wants to play basketball. But, you know, the brother's uh, daddy came from Jamaica, Mine, you know. He's an ordinary down-home brother. Yeah, it's good to know about these type of things. I, I learn something new every day. I'm glad, man. This is a wild. Incredible. Why don't we, you know, you talk about February black history. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, you know, we know who Pele was. He was the highest played athlete in the world, badass Superman on soccer field. Right. You know, everybody in the world know who Ali was. But, you know, Americans don't know who Hamilton is. I and mean, then you know, the interesting thing is when he wins the German Grand Prix, 2016, and in 1936, that's when Adolf Hitler had the Nazi sponsor the Mercedes team, and they were doing that Aryan Superman shit. So here, the number one driver for Mercedes is the black man, and he wins the German Grand Prix. Mm. 80 years later. Impressive. The assist to hiring, that was the year Jesse Owens did all that ass kicking in the Olympics. Mm hmm. But 80 years later, now you have a black man winning the German Grand Prix.
0: in a car that the Nazis spots See, it's just like, that's what I think is going
1: on with this whole car bit. That's what's going wrong with the Jesse Jackson bit. They want to get rid of black leaders. And Jesse Jackson's a straight man and ain't nobody coming up yelling, you know, he got to be drugged out But you take all these tired old wrinkled up groupies who wanted sex and drugs and you put them out there. And what do you do when you want to get rid of a black man? If you look at American history, you're accusing them of raping a white woman. No. I I'm mean, glad you brought that up because I want to get your take on the Nate Parker situation, you know, the guy who created the Nat Turner movie. It's supposed to come out this October the 7th. And, you know, they brought up these old allegations of rape on a white woman. she he was acquitted of the charges. What, what do you think oh, about man. that? Like You know what that woman's history is. I mean, all you can almost feel sorry for her. What happened with that woman's history was mm. her daddy left her mom. She had two other siblings. The state took them away from the mom and put her in a foster home. Before she enrolled in college, she tried to kill herself twice. So, you know, what is one of the hardest cases to defend in a trial is rape. And when you got a black man accused of raping a white woman, that is extremely difficult. He got acquitted in trial, and without him knowing it, she tried to kill herself again on a and wound up being successful. That's not his fault. She tried to kill herself twice before she met him.
0: So mm. you want
1: a bad the brother. He's a straight black man in Hollywood, and he came up with a great thing. You know what that movie represents, don't you? What does it represent? A birth of a Nation. It was the oh, yeah. birth full-length feature film in American movie history. It glorified the Ku Klux Klan, and they had all of these white people in blackface playing Negroes who abused white people in the South. Mm -hmm. So he remade the movie and tried to put a little history in there, and the deal is Matt Turner revolts because they jacked his woman around. And all through the 19th century, even after the Civil War, they were afraid of another Negro uprising, which they had a few. hmm Yeah, we can talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interview me, man, I'll be here all damn day. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Over there. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I was in that turn of think. I was thinking it was interesting because when you were saying all that, I was thinking about what happened last year with the uh, the Dylan Roof situation. Like, they caught him, the guy who shot the nine people at the church. Yeah. And they caught him in, in Shelby, North Carolina. And what's interesting to me, because I found out last year what Shelby, North Carolina represented, that is the uh, birthplace of Thomas Dixon, the guy who wrote A Birth of a Nation or whose book that The Klansman was based on The Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, they yeah. inspired The Birth of a Nation. His book did. But he was born in Shelby, North Carolina. And it's interesting that the media did not pick up on that, or they didn't want to talk about that angle of him going to Shelby, North Carolina, maybe to pay homage to Thomas Dixon. or Because of the, cause Thomas Dixon was a classmate of Woodrow Wilson, who screened The Birth of a Nation at the White House. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson is racist. In mm-hmm. his executive order, he segregated everything in Washington, D.C., it being a federal district. He was a, a professor in Virginia. Yeah, while. He, was a he, is. Wow. he was not not talking about the League of Nations, but he was trying to avoid getting the Japanese involved. He called them subhuman, like American Nicholas, you know, racist dog. Yeah, and also yeah, the, the Nat Turner thing I think is interesting. Like, because with Nate Parker, he has he's been in film and TV for over a decade now, and all of a sudden now he does something about Nat Turner. There's a problem with his past. It's kind of like you know how they did Nat Turner in the '60s with um, with William Styron. He wrote the Confessions of Nat Turner,
0: which yeah. was based
1: on Nat Turner's confessions of Nat Turner from the 19th century, but he flipped it. And in, in his version, Nat Turner was a homosexual. So you think they really try to get back at him about the Nat Turner thing altogether, about how you portrayed Nat Turner? Yeah. yeah. Well, you see, any time you are see, any time you are a black man and you do that, you scare the hell out of a lot of people. You particularly scare the LGBT people because they try to co-opt the black movement and claim they are. Uh, affiliated with the same interest, which is not the case, and they become the news assuage your conscience and do something charitable group to replace black folks, so they get very weirded out when you got a down brother because that's dangerous, mhm. And, you know, they don't like danger. Gun control, all kinds of other stuff. Uh, Bullies should not be fought with, you know, the kids should be protected by the parents. Parents didn't get involved in protecting kids from bullies, you know. Kids got together and dealt with the bullies. Individually or collectively. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, it's a big sea change in the way people do stuff. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Judge. But but that's interesting. See, if you looked at the movies, they are coming up now. They're saying that movie makers need to apologize to the public for making movies like – Born, the Born uh, series, or the Mm Mechanic series,
0: you Mm -hmm. see, or anything like
1: that where they have guns and violence and all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you come up with flipping the script on Birth of a Nation, you know, that falls right up in that, oh, you
0: ain't supposed to do that kind of thing. Wow, wow. Um, you know, like this.
1: i More doing a thing on through the wormhole this week. You should watch it. I will check it out. The wormhole. Through, they do science, but they're talking about radicalism. I uh, guess what? The research by psychologists indicates that watching. Violent movies, playing violent video games, actually makes you less prone to violence out on the street or actual violence. Really? really? Yeah. Except unless you're a psychopath.
0: And Hmm.
1: one of the ways to correct some of these right-wing type folks is to show them stuff that's extremely violent and make them feel uncomfortable about it. Wow. All right, speaking of the right wing. Okay. A, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I'm, now, I'm gonna, I'm to like, you know, just hop out on the right wing. Cause I, just want to get your take on something. Uh, uh, but you go ahead and finish your thought. what now? You go finish your thought. I ain't interrupt your thought. I just wanna uh, no, take it know. back up. On oh, the right wing, I was interested in your take on that on the Reverend, the Reverend, the good Reverend Mark Burns for Donald Trump, one of his supporters, who was outed as being a phony this uh past weekend. Well, uh, you know, when you have that thing happen in a campaign, I don't know if you can attribute that to the candidate because there's so many opportunists that flock the political campaign mm-hmm.
0: to political campaigns to
1: advance their own personal agenda. Mm-hmm. So Trump invites his share of weirdos. But you know, it is what it is. Uh and you've got some crazy stuff that develops like for example, this stuff's coming out with Hillary again on her email and she was actually discussing drone strikes to take out ISIS folks on this commercial email account. Mm. Now, you know, you getting ready to do that James Bond shit on somebody? So you use the same server that you use to order some makeup or a pair of panties? and. Mm-hmm. See, that kind of, or it comes out now like stuff marked C, which is confidential. Not classified, not secret, not top secret, but confidential. And it comes directly from the Attorney General, well, from the Secretary of State's office. But she's the Secretary of State, and she
0: doesn't know what it means. Okay. Well, So it's
1: what you're getting is a reflection of a pampered, upper-middle-class somebody that's spoiled that went to an all-girls school whose family supported Barry Goldwater, who revived the race card, Mm -hmm. who supported Tricky Dick Nixon, was chairman of the Republican Party at Wesley. Uh, all girls college, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And boy, it's like we just loves us for Missy Clinton, don't we? Showed nothing, <laughs> Them Clinton show good to us.
0: It's,
1: it's like, come on, a P Diddy. Did come up with some interesting stuff like why do we just give our votes away? Right. You know, if there's no choice, stay home. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about the lesser of two evils. Actually, I think Hillary Clinton is extremely dangerous to the black community. Why is it? You know, slightly digressing, we always talk about solutions to black violence. We need, what, more basketball, video games and stuff to keep the kids amused? No, that's not what they need. What they need is jobs, school, and training. Yes, sir. But we don't get that. And under Clinton, we're not getting that because she is a boss. Crooked politician who is owned by Goldman Sachs and Wall Street financial banking institutions.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. You get $16 million in speaking fees in one year. You've been bribed. You've been owned. Mm-hmm. And she isn't using that money to campaign with, by the way. Not. No, that's that's just personal earnings. But well, you know what's interesting though, I might say what's interesting is that Donald Trump is fascinating to me because he does say what a lot of people think behind closed doors, but he was really the one that got folks to focus on the Clinton Foundation. He really directed the media because he was talking about that on a consistent basis for several months about the Clinton Foundation and about yes. the emails and about uh you know, a lot of different things. And my thing is, this, I, I think a lot of times, I mean, like you said, they don't. thing that's a lesser evil. Number one, Hillary and Donald are both related; they both relatives. And then, like, uh, you know, what's interesting about the media is the fact that Donald Trump, Dad, was arrested back in 1927 for being a Klansman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is it a New York Times? I think. Why did they bring that up? Why did they bring up that New York Times article from June of 1927? They talk about Donald Trump dead, being a Klansman and queens, getting into a fight with the police. They actually mm-hmm. mention his name in the paper. Mm-hmm.
0: Fred well, Trump.
1: At, yeah, but well, look at his, his dad being an executive for Goldman Sachs, a minor executive. Exactly. You see. Um, and they never, never mention Sal Alinsky either. They always try to connect Sal Alinsky to Obama, but they never, that was a real mentor. He was a bomb guy. A Bob union guy. Yeah, and that's the gangster that went to jail, and uh, the Obamas got his house for free. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Obama, Oh, you know, you're talking about, it was, a, it was like another guy you were getting, you talking about. Not Salalinsky, right? He was already, he's been dead for a while, right? Oh. You no, know, not the not the one that's dead. The gangster that got sentenced in 2008. Oh, the other guy. Obama okay, I got you. I forget his name. I'm I confused him confusing with one he mentioned. But Obama was mentioned by name in seven counts of the indictment against this guy, a RICO indictment, mm. as an unindicted co-actor. Oh, uh, Tony Resco? Yeah, Tony Resco. Tony Resco. They do sound like a mob name, Tony Resco. They sound very mafia-sounding name. Yeah, so, you know, Enrico. Prosecution, usually they try to trace every dime of crime to something. When they do, they snatch it, but they didn't go after the house. Mm. And the Obamas got it
0: free of charge.
1: Mm. I mean, it's against the town, Chicago. I mean, it's against the town. Uh, To put it mildly, (laughs) That is a crooked goddamn town. But they gave us Hillary, and they gave us Obama. I mean, like you know, there's the thing too. I look at the fact that politicians like Obama and Hillary, or people like like a Truman or or Roosevelt or Franklin Roosevelt, they come out of political machines. All right, the Crump machine in Memphis. I mean, it, you man you manufacture these people. They are selected before they are elected, quote unquote. Uh. Do you think it would be better for black people to focus on local politics and local organizing instead of national politics? Would that be more effective and more beneficial for black people? No, I don't think they need the limit to local politics. A lot of times on the local level, what's going on is the local politics are so locked up and controlled by tightly knit factions that black people can't get any justice. Look here in Memphis. you got Strickland for the mayor, and Mm -hmm. only 19.1% of the registered voters are white. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You have half the black judges you had 15 years ago. You lost the two black mayors,
0: you see, Mm -hmm. and
1: it's a setback. You lost the Board of Education, where it was a city thing, operated as they should have, and it's gone crazy. The Democratic Party has been, uh, a, you know, its charter has been revoked. Mm-hmm. So where do you go with this on the local level? You see, but overall, there is some clout that can be felt in national elections. Plus, Democrats in the South tend to support Democrats in national elections even if locally they're solidly behind Republicans.
0: You well, so can't
1: abandon the, the national influence that we can get because sending in the National Guard or coming up with a federal act even if it's improbable right now sure as hell could help a lot more than some of the other stuff that goes on. Well, let me ask on a local level. We well, actually about there. Uh, go ahead me cuz go ahead Judge. The federal level out of DC Department of Justice talked about how screwed up juvenile court is, but we can't get the local US attorney who happens to be black to touch it. Mhm. Cuz he wants to be a federal district court judge and he doesn't want to rock the boat. And one of our Republican U.S. Senators has already nominated him for the judgeship. So nominated by a Republican who is a senator, not, (laughs) you know, (laughs) coming from the White House, you know, that's that's like, yeah, you're going to get in. And you ain't going to rock the boat. To change anything about the way juvenile court has been screwing stuff around here for years.
0: See, that's the kind of thing that's. uh, Where do we go with this? Mm hmm.
1: Well, man, actually, this deal about Donald Trump plead to black voters, like he talked about. Why not vote for me? You have nothing to lose. Like in the last 40, 50 years, a lot of these inner cities and whatnot have been controlled by Democrats. And look what has look what has got you overall. They just saying get off that plantation and come join me. And then he said in four years he'll have 95% of the black vote. What did you take on his thoughts about you know black folks just pledging allegiance to the Democratic Party and not really getting anything out of uh, out of it in return? It could be changed. The Republican Party this doesn't offer much an alternative. Like let's take local again. Mm-hmm. Uh, boss Trump had a large white minority. He never had a white majority, but putting it together with the black black vote, he ran politics. But do you know where the white where the black black vote came from? What? The Lincoln Republicans. All blacks were Republicans. You go to a Lincoln Republican meet now, it's all 100% white, and they don't even know black folks started. Right. That's so Robert Church Jr. started there. They ran him out, and once he got, you know, where he got he bought. But then the Church family brought Boss Crump to Memphis. That's the interesting thing. You brought your own person, and that's your divine. Yeah. That's why Crump that's why had his financial backing. The richest man in Mississippi was paying his tab to make sure that nothing happened to Robert Church. And guess what? He made it happen. And then he tried to destroy any monument to the church family, destroyed uh, the church auditorium, and then destroyed the mansion. A lot of that. Yeah, but Trump was, I mean, Trump, I mean, Trump was protecting it he was he was protecting the church family I mean I mean he were protecting yeah, their property? that property that's how he got here Robert Church is the son of what used to be the biggest plantation owner in Mississippi before the Civil War and the richest man in Mississippi after the Civil war Robert church so, okay yeah, yeah, so Church's daddy sent Crump up here to protect church. that was his job and as long as church was protected by crump. Church's daddy made sure Crump was funded. Yeah. So that's why Tennessee is exempt from, was exempted from the enforcement provisions of the Civil Rights Voting Act
0: because
1: yeah. they'd never taken the vote from blacks. Now, unfortunately for the present circumstance, Crump assisted by church and then Lieutenant Lee after World War I, they still the showed Yeah, they set up a structure to deliver the black bloc vote. And you got the phenomenon of black power brokers who could deliver black black bloc votes. Yeah, but I was saying later on he did turn against the (laughs) church family and caused Robert Church to leave Memphis, right, Robert Church, Jr.? No, he doesn't turn against the church family the But Trump did destroy the church auditorium, and then he destroyed their mansion on Lauderdale during a, them, a that, fire convention. Yeah, but they got paid quite well for it. That was the front. Oh, really? So you the church building was in cahoots okay. with Trump. Yeah. See, okay. what I heard was supposed to happen is white folk were conspiring to get it, so he destroyed it so he'd get the insurance payout. Interesting. I just, just never know about the thing. I know they had, like, Crump is an interesting guy. I mean, you had Pendergast in Kansas, in Kansas City, Tom Pendergast. He had Crump in Memphis. But Crump, I the that, that lady who was running that, uh, that adoptive, the child home, the children home, that she was stealing babies or whatever. You know what I'm talking that, about? That, that's Memphis Juvenile Court. Two female judges were in there. One of them. The first one had as her principal assistant, Ben Hooks' mama, handling the colour unofficially. And mm-hmm. she was selling children. And then the one after that, they were getting ready to do a favorable story on her, a movie on her and everything. And then it came out about how she was selling children to Hollywood celebrities and people around the world. So mm-hmm. that's how Ken Turner got in there in 1963 to... Smooth it out. They consolidated the Memphis juvenile court and the Shelby County one, so it's Memphis and Shelby County juvenile court, and then they put that seventh grade dropout, that bastard Turner, in there. hmm. What's Turner's name? What tur- Turner who? Kenneth Turner. Judge okay. Kenneth Turner. hmm. And see, Turner for the last. Twenty some years that he was in there couldn't hear cases because of his educational infirmities but he privatized it and he was selling negroes for profit to the penal system around here always has been screwing up black families on purpose and uh, the way he got his power and what he used juvenile court for is he used to be captain of the vice squad he was gay he knew what black folk were screwing what white folk who liked to bend over and drop his boxes to his ankles and get it that way and what women were perverted. And some cops one time gave me some copies of some arrest tickets where they busted off in there supposedly to back up a vice operation and found mm-hmm. Turner bent over a couch getting it up the rear or giving somebody a head job when they broke, or broke off in there. Wow, See, So it's in the arrest tickets. So they gave me a big, thick package of these things some years ago
0: and said
1: they thought it might be of help. Wow. And the lady I was with Oh yeah, wow. And uh, the woman I was referring to, her name was Georgia Tan, and she operated the Tennessee Children's Home Society. And an adoption agency when Bob's Crump was around but she died in uh September fifteenth, nineteen fifty. She ran juvenile court before the last woman ran it. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh they, man, this a slavery boy. Yeah. They Yeah. they used to even have auctions. To sell the kids to the highest bidder. Wow. Oh, man, this is crazy. Oh, man. It's
0: sick, man. Really sick.
1: And what about with these white swimmers, man, getting in trouble? I know about the raper, the rapist, the Brock
0: guy. Um, <laughs> you
1: know, he, he just got out of jail. The swimmer from uh, his name, Brockton, or something like that. Yeah, well, what, what happened was they vandalized the convenience store. Oh, uh, you talking know, about that's Ryan Locky? That's Ryan Lockie, Whatever his name is. Yeah, well, several of them vandalized this uh, convenience store and tried to cover it by claiming they got robbed. Mm-hmm. See, I I, 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 the Brazilians impressed me with that. You know, like, no, you ain't getting away with that. Well, how would you have handled that? How would you have handled that as a legal guy, a legal professional? An expert. How would you handle that case with him lying like that and then leaving the well, country? They
0: did it right.
1: In other words, uh, see, the U.S. gives out the stiffest prison sentences in the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. What they actually serve before getting put on parole is about a little more than the whole sentence elsewhere like they give somebody 10 years on a robbery here, okay, armed robbery.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then everybody said, well, he didn't have to serve, but three and a half years before they gave him early release on parole. Yeah. But in England, they give him two years, or in Australia, two years. That's the sentence, and that's what he would serve. But we
0: can't mm-hmm. give
1: him 10 because somebody's saying, I'm tough on crime, so I, I made the sentences stiffer."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you run into the problem. Okay, fine. How you pay for this? You know, you're paying ninety four thousand dollars a year for an inmate, and only forty two hundred a year for a high school student.
0: Hmm. Wow. Well,
1: what do you think about like the rape culture? I guess we got a rape culture definitely here
0: mm-hmm.
1: in America, that. About the guy, uh, Brock Turner. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The Brock, the Brock Turner guy, the uh, swimmer from Stanford, the Stanford swimmer who was accused of rape, and he just got out of jail after serving just a couple of months, I believe, and it's been an oh, outcry. That was for sexual battery. Okay. That's the one, yeah. Well, what's your thoughts about that? Was that handled correctly? Well, I don't. I didn't hear it. You know. Mm-hmm. And. They have guidelines, and I'd have to hear what they had. I I showed mercy to more than one defendant, and I've got people that come up to me now thanking them for giving them a break but showing them the light. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what went on. They just put somebody on diversion for uh, a homicide but then they turned down Henry Paul Escane, who relied on all these black votes to get herself elected judge, turned down Henry Brooks for judicial diversion on that little picadillo.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Well
1: so, judge, I ain't gonna hold you up too long. But I wanna thank you so much for always taking the time to offer input. Uh, do you have any other thoughts you want to share or anything? Update or anything? No, it, it, it's kind of sort of like you have to think and see one of the things that's going wrong right now with the whole system is the news media, which is known as the Fifth Estate,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's supposed to zealously report and analyze what's going on and sometimes being entertaining by either the style of the writer and the way he writes or the way they present the news has abdicated that function and simply become a form of entertainment where it goes 24-7. And often there's little enough news to fill up 24-7. Ain't nothing going on. So what happens is they look to the entertaining factors rather than the the entertainment factors rather than the informative necessity mm. so it gets all screwed well I'll actually this, too i I'll get your take on this um. Hillary Clinton's health. Like a lot of people online, been saying that she got some type of a, neuro- a neurological disorder, maybe Parkinson's or something like that. And many people are claiming that this may be a, the reason why she may not become. Uh, why, I mean, excuse me, why Barack Obama may have a third term, like they, you know, she to win the election, quote unquote, on election day, and before she sworn in, they will she would step down because of health reasons. And then Barack would, you know, make his case for being president for a third term. Can't do that. They're a constitutional amendment. If he is out one term, he can't be more than two consecutive terms in office. Two he can't be elected to more than two consecutive terms in office. Theoretically, what could happen is if he was vice president. The president died. He took over. He could be elected to his first term as president and then another. But after he has ceased to be president and at least one term with somebody else in office has passed, he can run again. But he won't be running, though, right? He, he will not have been sworn in no, as the next it, president. It, 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 no, even if he didn't
0: get sworn in,
1: say... If she becomes disabled, the Constitution
0: then says the person that was
1: elected Vice President becomes the President and is sworn in as President. Okay, going well, be interesting. I mean, a lot of people think that you know this might be the you know coming of martial law because they're saying that why is his daughter not going to college this year? Well, what else is going on? The truth of the matter is, is the oldest person elected to be president was Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. If Hillary Clinton gets it, she'll be the second oldest president to be elected in U.S. history. And if Trump gets elected at 70, he will be the oldest person in American history to be elected president. So are you willing to say who you think might win? I mean, right now you think, may win the uh, election? It's up in the air, but if things keep going the way they are, I think Trump may come out the winner. I think that, Wow. I <laughs> think that Hillary is going to have more nasty stuff revealed about her past and the way she handled some stuff in the, as Secretary of State. Firstly... Mm-hmm. I'd rather Trump be in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she's the type who's trying to prove herself tough does stuff that should not be done. hmm In other words, instead of trying to be a badass, look at it objectively and is this the best thing to do under the circumstances? Mm-hmm. I don't trust her for that. And Mm. I don't like her body language.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Her body language is really, really, really bad. Okay. In other words, she's telling you a lie that she doesn't even believe a lot of times
0: when she's speaking. She Mm -hmm. conceals
1: a lot or attempts to conceal a lot when she
0: speaks. This
1: thing about her jabbing her hand with the fingers down so her fingertips hit the podium, that's uh, body language for I'm trying to build a wall around myself. I don't want what I'm saying to get expanded upon. Just take it narrowly. And also, interestingly enough, she, through her body language, expresses fear of her audience,
0: mm-hmm. which is not good at all. Wow. Well, well Joe, I want to thank you once again for taking the time out
1: of your schedule to talk to us. The people are very grateful. I'm very grateful. Uh, you get a lot of feedback. People really want to hear more of you. People are demanding that you be on TV again. They want to see you back on TV. Uh, a lot of other comments I get that people that I never do the judge really thought like that. I didn't know his point of view. You know that if they look at your TV show, you only get one side of you. But they really are enjoying uh, the the information and wisdom and perspective that you have been providing on our platform. I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah, I mean it's kind of sort of like. You know, you have this formality, judges are stick in the mud, you know. And But, hey, there's another side, and even when you come down to the law, though you just saw a little bit of it, uh, I learned long ago that sometimes the best way of expressing things about humanity is to look at it like a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. If you entertain the jury, they stayed awake to listen to your case and fell asleep on the other guy. And also, mm-hmm. if you take it with a sense of humor, it, that makes you look at things in a certain way that enables you to perceive or take into consideration certain things that might have been missed otherwise. Yes, sir. And thus, When I was on the bench or even on the TV thing, these are my people, even if they're white. I'm the village chieftain. I'm supposed to look at the thing in terms of what can I do to promote and engineer the best thing for the village. I'm not supposed to look at somebody as, you know, like they're some kind of outside enemy. They may be wrong. They may be seriously wrong. It may have been something absolutely atrocious. But, mm-hmm. you know, too many judges look at somebody coming in front of them, and they look at, oh, we need to call the exterminators and stamp out these vermin. hmm I never looked at it that way. That's
0: right. A- But you know,
1: it is what it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, brother does one. need Compassion and understanding, and we rely on the system to do stuff. The system may be great, but the system is not what does it. It is the people that function within the parameters that the system establishes or allows. Mm -hmm. And we have a dearth of national leadership, white and black, everything. I mean, you know, at my age, I have to say these are the two sorriest candidates I have ever seen running for president. Sometimes I've seen one side put up Somebody is sorry, as, say a Hillary or a Trump, but not when both of them are so pathetic. But what about the uh, 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 like Green Party or Libertarian Party with Jill Stein and Gary Johnson? we we'll be looking at other options and take them the more cranks. seriously. They're cranks. Okay. They're cranks. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't let it be about the lack of leadership. But then again, there is a saying about our system. We get the representation we deserve.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: people are screwed up, so are their representatives. The representatives are continuously screwed up, and you need to look at the people to determine why that's who they put in a position to become leaders. That's it. And you can't groom anybody for it. Because that's what they try to do all the time. They'll pick some uh golden boy and from college they'll try to groom him to become the governor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way because you gotta go you gotta shine on your own. Mm-hmm. That's right. thank you so much, Brother Judge. Oh, go ahead, sorry. One one other thing too. I'll give you an example of what I'm about to talk about. Ike Eisenhower got elected and his campaign slogan was Smile and Ike. Even today, people get the impression of Smile and Ike Eisenhower, right? Mm Mm-hmm. He's known in the U.S. Army as being the commander with the foulest mouth in the history of the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. Now, does that fit his public image? It does not. Now, what's happening right now is there used to be a
0: private
1: personal thing that only the friends knew about, and if they were wise, they overlooked that because they were looking for good government. But nowadays with social media, they pay so much attention to stuff that used to be left for a gossip page that every time they get a would-be leader in, they go dig up some dirt. Or ratings And they destroy his ability To be an effective leader sure. But you see Here's the other thing too That's only if you're straight If you're gay And you don't get caught Doing some 14 year old boy In a public bathroom At an airport You get a pass And mm-hmm. see If you are a gay man But you got a wife you know, they would get on a gay. Excuse me, they'd get on a straight man with a straight wife for messing around. Uh, you know, they'd call him. You know, he ran around on his wife and looked down on him. But if you're married and you're gay, that means you're cheating on your spouse with your gay partner.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But they don't. They, have you ever heard them jump on that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No. They'll proudly announce somebody has come out and admitted that they're so and so. Or you they know. might give it scant coverage, or they might jump on the bandwagon to crucify the person that outed the individual. So, you know, I always think about Anthony Weiner when you say all this, like the, the, ex-con- the ex-Congressman who liked to do a lot of sexting, like sending mm-hmm. pictures of his penis to females, like, and say, so, yeah. like, yeah, he got in trouble recently. But you could tell he's very much a straight man doing something that a lot of other people do do. They, they do that stuff, but he happened to be a public servant at one point, and who his wife is as far as connected to Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Uh, what's your take on that? I mean, it kind of uh That's point. point. I mean, it's indiscreet, in you know. It's sort of like, uh, you know. The crime is not so much that you did it. It's just that you lack the discretion to pick who to do it with. Exactly. And you should never use your position to coerce getting something you want.
0: This is true. Well, he shouldn't be
1: in office anyway. He got poor judgment like that, right? You make poor judgment like (laughs) that. That's the point. Mm Mm-hmm. Like what else are you likely to do
0: this kinda dumb?
1: <laughs> <laughs> See? it kinda works out in the mix. It
0: does, it seems like it does. Well Judge Brown, I
1: want to thank you once again for all this wisdom and information. And I'm sure a lot of folks gonna be doing a lot of research and um you get a lot of more calls with texts and emails from people. They really enjoy hearing your voice and your part of you. And hopefully we'll see you again on TV. I mean, people want to really see you back on TV. Yeah, well, I'm trying to make that happen. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. All right, we love you, manly, brother. Take care. Take it easy. All right. That's all. All right.